You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 291. I'm your host, András Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hello! Eson, Eson! How are you guys? Anders is back! Yes! Yes! yes. Good! Oh, back, and it's been a crazy week, guys, but uh, the weekend <laughs> was absolutely amazing. You know what happened? I know that Scapcon happened as well, so do do tell us about that, Anika, later. But now that I have my, my, my little time to talk, uh, <laughs> I, I want to tell you something. We had a crazy weekend with the Hungarian skeptics. Uh, we attended Hungarokon. Ungarukon. Uh, you know, something that I had told you about in advance, where I ended up giving two talks and holding a book opening event for Fake, at which even uh, Anne-Marie Bon called in from Ooh, the Netherlands. Nice. So that was a great event, and it was uh, very well attended, especially compared to the poor attendance of the overall Hungarokon event. I think the book opening was a bit of a hit. Oh, good. Of all the all the things going on. And I'm happy to report that even my talks were, as well, very popular. It could be because of I didn't choose specifically a sceptical topic. How I ended up giving two talks was that I had previously gave them two ideas of talks. One of them is why Batman is the greatest superhero ever, and <laughs> why he's a great role model for children, and why trying to build the world of Star Trek is something that could potentially save the world and save humanity. And <laughs> these were the two talks. And I tried to give a skeptical angle on each of them, but mostly it was about praising the scientific aspect and the scientific knowledge and the background and Batman being a polymath and how important a role science plays in the world of Star Trek. I gave those two talks because they ended up wanting both of them. So I, I wanted to give them a choice, but they ended up wanting both of them. So I said, oh, what the heck? I don't have anything to do anyway. So uh, <laughs> Exactly, why, why, exactly. Why? Yeah. Yeah, but it was it was a lot of fun. And the book opening was a, was a hit. And uh, a lot of people are really wanting to buy this book now. The Hungarian Skeptic Society bought a couple of them. And we handed out five copies to people who came to our booth during the day and uh, had a chat with us and even participated in some of our tests because we had these quiz things uh, going on. That was that was quite a hit. I really enjoyed it. Sounds like a great time. Good yeah, for you. Yeah, sounds Good amazing. Hmm? And was it, it was in person, right? It was in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of us tried at some point to put on at least a mask, but uh, other people were really frowning upon it. So the good thing was that me, as a speaker, <laughs> I got to actually keep my distance from people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that was a good thing. Yeah. So uh, how, how was Capcom, Annika? Yes, Capcom was also really good. Uh, it was online, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We used like a platform for that and a lot of streams. And, and it was it was really good. Like, I really enjoyed it. Like, of course, you sometimes have connectivity uh, issues. That's normal, I think, with <laughs> yeah. if you have like 300 or more people logging in, then it's just normal to uh, sometimes at least be a bit legging <laughs> yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it was a lot of fun and 
I, I particularly enjoyed a talk about why plants are not interested in healing us. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, why like superfood is not, is not... Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> like why, why superfood like curcuma also is not trying to heal us or so. Mm. And that was really, really interesting. And yeah, several others. So they, they will still, they're still online. Um, and you can, um, the, the organizers are planning to give out like cheaper tickets for, uh, for people to still buy it uh, and so mm -hmm. and then they can still watch the presentations yeah that was really really interesting <laughs> great that's good mm -hmm. there was another event recently we mentioned it uh, last time so i wanted to pick it up again the ig nobel prizes i wanted to say this mm. is not european but it, it's world it's international it's fun mm. yeah uh, so they, they were <laughs> now announced of course on uh, thursday last thursday i believe and if people are still unaware The, the short of it is that Ig Nobel Prizes, it's a spoof on the Nobel Prizes. It goes to, quote, research that first makes you laugh and then makes you think, end quote. Mm. So it's funny, but <laughs> yeah. still, at least sometimes, very serious uh, research. The 2021 awards uh, are just as fun as you would expect. The Transportation Prize went to, quote, Robin Ratcliffe and colleagues for determining by experiment whether it is safer to transport an airborne rhinoceros upside down, end quote. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know if safer for whom, I, I'm not sure, but apparently <laughs> it is the best way to transport them. And there are beautiful pictures online to prove that uh, hanging rhinos, rhinos upside down from helicopters is apparently a good idea. Uh, there were other fun <laughs> prizes as well. I, I mean, I won't go through all of them, but there were things about analyzing the bacteria in chewing gum on pavements. So if they've been there for a couple of months, you can you can <laughs> actually do a lot of good research on them. Um, whether uh, another one was whether overweight politicians can predict the level of a country's corruption. Not not that the politicians can can make predictions. Or but are overweight. If, <laughs> but if they are overweight, <laughs> yeah. is that correlating with the uh, corruption? <laughs> And uh, apparently it is. <laughs> <laughs> Also, one was if male facial hair has developed as protection from getting punched in the face. Maybe. Oh, okay. I okay. never thought of that before. No, no. Okay. The sort of, you know, <laughs> protection. But I'm especially <laughs> proud as a Swede for the biology prize because it went to the Swedish researcher Susanne Schötz for, quote, analyzing variations in purring, chirping, shattering, trilling, tweedling, murmuring, meowing, moaning, squeaking, hissing, yowling, howling, growling, and other <laughs> modes of cat-human communication. Thanks for the nice poem about cats there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really good. <laughs> so was that the actual title of the paper? That, no, that was the... the <laughs> no, it wasn't, but it was the motivation for the price. Okay, so, okay, mm. all right, okay. okay. I would, they really got it there with the yowling, howling, growling. I, I think that was very nice. <laughs> Uh, but Definitely. you should you should look it up. Sounded a little bit like a yodel. Yeah, <laughs> yowling, howling, growling. We will put uh, that's right, that's right. Links, uh, some links in the show notes for you to look it up. It's 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 worth it. I'm, I yes. promise. It sounds definitely good. <laughs> um, it's interesting. Um, in Germany, we have an election coming up, mm -hmm. and oh yeah, I wanted to high. ask about that. The election itself is on the 25th, so in... Ooh, soon. Yeah, 10 days. Uh, 26, sorry. Mm -hmm. So 11 days from the day of recording. 
Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people already voted. Uh, I did too, um, because you can also vote via letter. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to be sure to not lose my voice, <laughs> my my vote. Yeah, if I had to do a quarantine for whatever reason. Yeah. And that's why I decided for letter election. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really interesting because there are also conspiracy theories around fake news. Even people try hacking to influence the election. Mm-hmm. It's also really interesting who will win because normally the CDU, like the Christian party that um, Angela Merkel is also part of, they're usually very set for the first place. But their candidate, I mean, Laschet is very, very, very unpopular. I'm not exaggerating here. He is very unpopular. Seems like a poor choice to put forward as a party. Yeah, I mean, I think he was only criticized by North Rhine-Westphalians before they put him in for the run because we or like North Rhine-Westphalia didn't like his management of COVID. But then he did a thing where like a higher ranking politician was around the floods and he held a speech and the candidate Laschet was in the background laughing and someone took a photo of that. Mm Mm-hmm. And Ooh. photos can hurt you really badly. Of course, it was it was clumsy, but of course, his reputation he's like it's, his reputation is very damaged now. Mm-hmm. And so, despite the CDU being pretty popular, uh, the uh, the other parties like the Greens or SPD can still win. We'll see okay. what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow! But it's for sure that Angela Merkel is leaving. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, th- there is something else that I wanted to talk to, and uh, th- there's some place where I would not necessarily want to be right now, and that is the ISS, the Euro- the, the International Space Station. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard what happened? It looks like the ISS is having a year full of absolute trouble. Earlier this year, we, we did report on that, when the new Russian module Nauka was attached, there were some mishaps with uh, yes. misfiring thru- yes. thrusters that basically pushed the whole station off track. Now, news came out a couple of days ago about uh, smoke uh, smoke alarms going off in one of the modules. That's not you good. might have an idea as to, as to where the smoke was coming from. It was the Russian Zvezda module. <laughs> yes, of course. Module. I think it's pretty clear what's happening here. It's, it's our friends Boris and Vladimir from episode 286 who continue to be up to no good. So, yeah. Boris, are you cooking borscht again? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Vladimir, I'm just trying to do my best. I really love that, Pontus. I really love that. <laughs> And uh, th- this module is, is one that provides uh, living quarters, actually. So that is a different model from the one that was attached earlier this year. And unfortunately, th- these issues have, have not been the only ones in recent years. So air leaks, cracks appearing on the outer hull, they have caused major concerns about the state of the equipment. Interestingly, you know that the Russian government has plans to launch their own space station uh, by around 2030. Obviously, they are now really bad-mouthing this project, this international project. And according to officials and and lead engineers of the Russian space program, the the aging of the ISS is so bad that 80% of the in-flight systems have passed their expiry date. Oh, wow. Which might still be true, though. It's not surprising. If, If you think about the fact that the ISS was built for a 15-year mission back in 1998. It's been continuously occupied since 2000. Yeah. And that's been more than 20 years ago. Yeah. 23 years ago, it was it was all launched. And since all the participating agencies, including those of, of several European countries, are constantly suffering from budget cuts, 
the thing was mostly extended and mended as as needed but no major overhaul has been carried out and it's probably not even feasible so it's not going to happen it's uh, supposed to stay up until 2028 which if we consider this kind of state it's going to be quite a stretch yeah we just hope for the astronauts the cosmonauts being out there to be really safe until then yeah but enough of this rendering off from the original track of the podcast that we are trying to make here. So uh, why don't we move on and start with the regular segments, the first of which is This Week in Skepticism. Yes, and this week we're talking about miracles. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because on the 15th of September, it's uh, still celebrated because from 1530 on, a portrait of the Holy Saint Dominic appeared in Soriano Calabro in Italy. I hope I pronounced that okay. <laughs> Anders or an Italian-speaking person can correct me. <laughs> <laughs> and the portrait has miraculous origins and also inspired miracles itself. Mm -hmm. It was gifted, believe it or not, from saints, so from Holy Mary and her two women of in women in arms <laughs> to the priory and has has inspired miracles. Mm -hmm. There were also other church buildings named after it, and as you might have guessed, there was also a cult created around it. So let's look at the facts. We have got a portrait. We don't know where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> that's it okay <laughs> done <Good. laughs> what a mystery no but what we know now is that the legend was definitely forged and mostly goes back to frangipani or, or like father frangipani who who mentions the whole legend of um the three holy women giving him the portrait the mentions of the of other miracles date back to 1612 and of course, like once you have a cult created, it will, it, it's like almost running of its own accord because there was an earthquake in the later century and miraculously the portrait survived the, the earthquake. So of course, it means that it's a very holy portrait. Mm. Oh, because earthquakes do have a tendency to destroy specifically portraits. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we all know that earthquakes only destroy portraits. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> To just sum it all up, there's this wonderful portrait, but we can really see, like this, for us as skeptics, it's a very good example how cults can be created around relics around the oh, world. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and the facts don't really matter, do they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and Italy is very prone to these uh, cults, aren't they? Yeah. Or different oh, fake absolutely. relics. Yeah. 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 We have a couple of friends who actually um, in the international community and among Italian skeptics who have investigated a couple of them. Luigi Garlaschelli being one of them. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. so this was This Week in Skepticism. <laughs> mm, nice one. And uh, thank you very much, Annika. And uh, now that we've trampled on religious stuff a little bit, do you have something to poke the Pope for, Pontus? Not much news from Frankie this week, at least not much that we oh. haven't talked about before. I can say he's not a big fan of Viktor Orban, Andras, so we have to give him yeah. some credit for that. Uh, some Did you see the photos? I didn't see any photos, but I know that some of Orban's dedicated followers were very, very mad about that the visit was so short. 
and that uh, uh, also yeah. I think um, Frankie said something about uh, celebrating freedom and diversity and stuff and yeah. um, they, they well. took it as a dig at Orban. Well, yeah, and uh, the, the actual meeting took place in a large medieval-looking room, mm. and uh, the photo was really spectacular because the Pope and his company was on one side, and opposite them, about five or six meters <laughs> from them, uh, on the opposite side, there was Orban, the president of Hungary, Janusz Ader, and the vice prime minister. Is, it, is, there, is there such a thing? Never mind. So the vice to Orban, who's a religious bigot, and uh, he's a he's a fucking idiot by the name Shemian, and they were sitting so far from each other that obviously it could be argued that it was the COVID measures, but I think it was much further than it necessary, necessary for, yeah, okay. for COVID. Uh, so I, I don't know, but it, it really looked nice yeah. to me at yeah. least. So, so anyway, I mean, yeah. we know, we can pretty much see that Frankie doesn't like uh, Viktor Orban, but that's a low bar to pass, actually. So I'm not giving uh, yeah. Francis too much <laughs> of credit for that. Yeah, based on that, he could make a lot of friends, actually, mm. across mm. Europe. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. based on him not liking Orban, I think <laughs> that's safe to say. All right, then uh, it's time for us to move on to the news. We have wondered here on the show before how the pandemic may interfere with the vaccination against other diseases than COVID. I mean, we talk about measles, we talk about HPV and the flu and things like that. So the question is, will the healthcare systems be able to maintain these routine schedules uh, during these crazy times? And now there is an Italian study that has looked into this, uh, looking at uh, Europe as a whole, Mainly, they've looked at uh, Belgium, France, Hungary, Ireland, Italy, Malta, Portugal, Romania, and Spain. And they have also took, looked a little bit at other countries, but mainly those. The project is known as Hashtag Vaccine Action 2021. They didn't look into statistics as such, I mean, about how many people had been vaccinated. Instead, they contacted national and international health experts and representatives what they looked at was disruptions in the services as such, uh, whether vaccine programs were delayed or, or what had happened to them. And, and the results are interesting. They focused on, on three things. They focused on flu vaccinations, the MMR and uh, HPV. The MMR, of course, is measles, mumps and, and rubella. Turns out that the flu vaccinations seem to have been rather unaffected by the pandemic. People are still getting their uh, flu shots, apparently. Uh, maybe because it was felt that there was an overlap of who was more vulnerable to that and COVID-19. So it was important to protect the elderly and people who are vulnerable to uh, to flu. When it comes to the MMR vaccines, they were hit harder. And almost 60% of the MMR programs had some delays. And in 14% of the cases, it was for three months or more of a delay. HPV was even worse, with over 70% of programs getting delayed. 21% were delayed for, for at least three months or more. And the respondents to this survey uh, said that national and local governments were to blame for the disruption, mostly. But there was also, some, to some extent, uh, that citizens were afraid uh, of, of getting a COVID-19 infection, so they stayed at home instead. 
So we don't know exactly uh, how this affects immunity now in, in, in Europe, but it must have done a lot of harm. And I've mentioned before that we are likely to see new measles epidemics, for one thing, as a consequence of the COVID pandemic. And uh, maybe now we need to add um, HPV to that list as well of things that are going to become worse because of COVID. Hmm. And speaking of COVID, I think uh, we've all experienced that that, that issue with with COVID that it it tends to render everything seem less important or less urgent that we have to deal with. And one of those things is climate change. Mm. And uh, we've mentioned it a couple of times on this show as well that climate change has severe consequences on public health as well. It's not only comfort issue; it's also a public health issue. And this is what an, an absolutely unprecedented editorial did. They outlined the actual risks and the, the problems with uh, climate change to public health. And it's not only an editorial, not one editorial could achieve that on a global scale. But when more than 220 leading journals in public health did that and joined that statement and an editorial, and uh, that really gives it absolute weight. I mean, uh, any statement like that. Mm. So among those are the British Medical Journal, The Lancet, the International Nursing Review, and many, many, many others of great importance. So what they uh, talk about is that in the past 20 years, and I quote, heat-related mortality among people older than 65 years has increased by more than 50%. Mm. Now, this is a very troubling figure. And it's only a number. But when you put next to this all the things that they list, and I quote again, higher temperatures have brought increased dehydration and renal function loss, dermatological malignancies, tropical infections, adverse mental health outcomes, pregnancy complications, allergies, and cardiovascular and pulmonary morbidity and mortality. And that's still not all. That is just a sample of the things that they listed, and they put next to next to all that a very long list of published material on how this is backed up by evidence. So we need to do something about this, and this is well in well in time because obviously there are important things going on and happening this year in terms of uh, climate summits. One of them, the most anticipated one, being the one in Glasgow, that is the COP twenty twenty six, which is supposed to happen in November, and is already in the crossfire of international criticism because the problem is that it's going to be live event. And uh, mostly that means that a lot of countries that are hit very hard by the climate change will probably not be able to participate because of the COVID rules in the UK and because of their countries being so far behind their vaccination schedule. Many of these people will probably not be vaccinated yet. Mm. The UK government's reply to that was that we're going to have separated rooms for those who need to quarantine during the time of uh, COP26. But how would then they participate? Why are they there then? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah so, oh. so it's important. And why I wanted to mention this to this last thing 
was that somehow I feel that we have achieved a lot. I really agree with the likes of uh, Greta Thunberg, who says that it's still not enough. Nothing that has been done so far is enough for the future generations. But when failures like this, amateurish, organizational issues come up, then I really start doubting our ability to even cope with the situation and cope with an even bigger issue like climate change. And, uh, well, whew. so, uh, <laughs> yeah, please, everyone, make sure that you listen to the experts. And now it's not only climate experts, but it's public health experts who warn all of us this is going to be a much greater issue than we could even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, pretty depressing. Mm. What we know is like we already can't stop it completely. There will be That's right. heating up. It's just the question of how much. Like it's just the question of are we completely fucked or are only halfway fucked? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we had to do something about the explicit tech. That's why I said that. <laughs> yeah, but something that's also very, very weird and very jarring in a way was that you could see on a post on Facebook that the German government does not recommend vaccines anymore and has frozen licenses. Do you think that's true? Uh, nope. <laughs> I call bullshit. Yeah, I call bullshit. It is. It is. <laughs> the only thing they did suspend is AstraZeneca vaccines to people under 60 but they do recommend vaccinations <laughs> right. they promote COVID-19 vaccinations and they make it easy to get vaccinated it doesn't cost anything right now mm -hmm. because like, all of the risk groups uh, that that wanted to get vaccinated are through so you can pretty much just walk up and say hi I want to get vaccinated here's my passport do it <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it mm -hmm. is really easy now and they also had, have created incentives to get vaccinated now. For example, they will stop free testing uh, for COVID-19. That means if you still want to go to like the swimming pool or to a bar or so on and so on, and you didn't have COVID yet and you're not vaccinated, you have to get tested. And if it costs something, then you maybe think twice to just get vaccinated. <laughs> Is there is there any consideration for people who cannot be vaccinated? Sadly not. And that's also like, that's one of the issues with it. A lot of disabled rights people are really angry because they say like, hey, we still need to get tested. And and then you, you also put this on us to, to pay for the tests. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think it would be great if legislation would, would think about that and maybe still keep it free for people who can't get vaccinated yeah. and only mm -hmm. make those who, who are stupid to not get vaccinated or afraid, as we know from last week, <laughs> that like, yeah, that only people who really can't physically get vaccinated because it would be too dangerous for them um, that they get exempt from that payment. But... To mm -hmm. come back to the matter, no, they definitely did not stop using COVID vaccines. They are still using them heavily. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Glad to hear that. Which is good news. Yes. I mean, we're all happy that it's going on. Exactly. Uh, I would be very happy to see more people taking up the vaccine here in Hungary, but it's not happening. Now we've, we've reached the, the limit, which is around 60 odd percent. Now yeah. people are getting the third vaccine instead of more people getting the first yeah. vaccine because... Uh, it, yeah. is, it is stagnating here too. So it is it is slowly... Slowly yeah, but this there. is this is where the actual issue of trusting your government and your government's advice on health-related issues mm. really matters. If there is no trust, 
then you're screwed. Basically, yeah. you, you will not achieve what you want. All right. But some countries are doing pretty well, especially when it comes to climate change. So earlier on, I sounded a little bit pessimistic, probably, because of uh, the incapacity of people actually making a move. But when it comes to science and technology, those people are not sitting on their butts. They are making things happen. And this is what happened with uh, the Swiss company called Climbworks and the Iceland uh, company Carpfix. They've been conducting research program for four years. And in four years, they've come up with a brilliant new technology of carbon capture. I mean, carbon capture, that is something that is very important in terms of uh, fighting climate change, because it's not only that we need to lower the carbon, di- the carbon dioxide emission levels, but also we have to try to get rid of the carbon dioxide that it's that is already out in the atmosphere, right? And that technology is called carbon capture, and the way it's it's being done is that you try to get the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and somehow squeeze it down below the surface of the earth back to the the mineral deposits they originally come from i mean not necessarily the same ones that they come from we are (laughs) talking about fossil fuels and fossilized materials the thing is that you have to mineralize it in some way but the problem is that the usual ways of mineralizing it are very slow so they took hundreds of years to capture a significant amount of carbon dioxide but these two companies they managed to come up with a brilliant new solution when you find basalt layers mm-hmm. basalt is very rich in minerals that uh, contains a lot of metallic ions Mm -hmm. and those can react with carbon if it's injected in the matrix of the minerals as a solution of carbon dioxide carbonic acid Mm. the carbonic acid can react with these metallic ions and they can form actual salts that means that they can mineralize much faster which we, and we're talking about years a couple of years instead of hundreds and thousands of years of the process of mineralization mm. so with this these two companies came up with an actual system an actual technology that is capable of capturing 4000 tons of carbon dioxide every year out of the air which is not that much but it's still equals to the emissions from about 870 cars per hmm. year okay that is quite good so but the, this can be scaled up and this can be distributed all across the world and now they turned the system on and it's powered obviously it needs a lot of power yeah, for the it's pumping fossil and fuel. For, the, for the capturing of the, no <laughs> this is powered it's in it's in iceland and it's all powered by fish by renewable energy oh. <laughs> by fish okay sorry i was thinking fish <laughs> <laughs> they're just throwing fish at them and uh, <laughs> fish oh, oil the mental image <laughs> And uh, this this plant is named orca, which is an Icelandic word, and it it means energy. It consists of four metallic units of metal boxes, basically, and uh, they, they are very similar to the containers that that we use in maritime transport. And uh, they capture the air and then start separating the carbon dioxide from the rest of the atmospheric atmospheric capture and the, the rest of the gas is released outside then the carbon dioxide is uh, dissolved in water and then pumped down into the basaltic layers hmm. so it's 
brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. This is science at its best. And if other companies, other plants can do that, can scale it up and distribute it around the world, we might have a solution for the future. Pretty good. I'm very optimistic about this. And yeah. uh, well done, people. Yeah, we need all the tricks we can we yes. can invent. Yeah, all the new technologies. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> and it's definitely not going to be enough to yeah. just lower the the emission levels. It's not going to be enough. Yeah. And so we have to go and and capture all that carbon dioxide. Exactly. Yeah. Something um, that's also good news um, is that Andreas Kalka got arrested. And why is that good news? Because he is an MMS salesman. Um, oh, mm. Mineral miracle solution. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. According to himself, he's a researcher about the therapeutic use of chlorine dioxide for hypoxia, inflammation, infection, sepsis and covid This long list should already make us skeptical if we weren't already skeptical. (laughs) (laughs) Edzard Ernst says the snake oil salesman, (laughs) which is like a a euphemism for fraud, was particularly successful in South America. And he promoted the toxic bleach called MMS, um, as we already said, master mineral solution or magical mineral solution, and is now charged by the Argentinian authorities. This was Mm -hmm. the end of a seven-month-long investigation by the Ufema, or however it is pronounced, uh, Spanish, Argentinian (laughs) people, please please tell me. This was launched, the investigation, after a five-year-old boy in Western Argentina died of multiple organ failure because he got chlorine dioxide poisoning. Jesus. Yeah, which is, it's it's horrifying. They say there's an illegal practice of medical profession and selling fake medicines, and that's why he's charged. He could face a sentence of 25 years, and four other people are charged, all of them Argentinians. As a little reminder, MMS is not effective. It is harmful. It was designed by aerospace engineer Jim Humble. And the thing is, like most most alternative medicine remedies, <laughs> just not effective. But this is actually not effective and actually harmful. So it is pretty yeah. pretty bad. And that's why him getting arrested is good news. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. This is this is very good news. I mean, he was close to ex- escaping, right? I mean, he was he was catched in Argentina. Yeah. Right. Is he going to be tried in Argentina or? Um. Yes, because um. I think okay. I think yes, because mm-hmm. he also did the crime in that he's charged for in Argentina. Okay. Well, uh, not very good for him. <laughs> I don't imagine that an Argentinian prison is much better than one in Germany. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> make sure you get arrested in a country where the prisons are nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least, at least do that to yourself. Mm. <laughs> All right. But this has been all the news. Uh, so thank you very much to both of you. We are moving on to finding out who's been really wrong lately. All right, here we go. In uh, 2017, so this is a story that goes back a while, but we'll get to today very soon. In 2017, mm-hmm. a chiropractor in the UK, quote unquote, treated an elderly man. And there is no doubt, even among chiropractors, actually, that the treatment that was given led to the death of this man. Uh, and I, I say this man because I, don't, I hesitate to call him a patient because that implies that the the chiropractor was a medical doctor. And uh, that's important here because she actually used the title doctor at the time, something that she had no right to do. 
And it's not clear if her victim, and I say yes, victim, was under the impression that she was a proper MD. Mm-hmm. Our friend Edzard Ernst has written extensively about this case over the years. It has now come up again because the GCC, which is the General Council of Chiropractors, has now issued a ruling in this case. And the, the GCC is the body that is meant to regulate their members and make sure that all the chiropractors are following, quote-unquote, good practice, whatever that is when it comes to chiropractic. And they have the power to suspend chiropractors and to discipline them. The man who died had a previous condition, which is uh, pretty common for among el- elderly people, and that is that ligaments that are holding the vertebrae uh, of the upper spine in place can be ossified. And that means that they are, well, they more or less change into bone, so they become very rigid. And it uh, limits your, your mobility quite a bit, of course. And uh, you can read in the show links exactly what this chiropractor did, but she used way too much force and basically broke uh, the poor guy's neck. And uh, (laughs) she realized that something was wrong. But instead of immediately stopping and and waiting for an ambulance, she proceeded to try to help the guy and she moved him into a chair... You shouldn't move people with a broken neck. No. (laughs) Stupid. And she pulled his head back and gave him mouth-to-mouth treatment, which uh, probably made a lot of uh, damage to him. It's also the wrong way to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sorry, but it's just like... (laughs) As I said, she's not a medical doctor. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but not even doing that right? It's like, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, when uh, the paramedics actually arrived, she lied to them about about what had happened. She claimed it was a medical emergency, not a traumatic one, meaning that she hadn't done anything physical to the guy, which she she had done. And that meant that the paramedics didn't stabilize the neck uh, of the guy before they transported him uh, down the stairs and into the, the ambulance. And he died later as a direct consequence of all of this uh, trauma. She also did not put an accurate account of what had happened in the patient records, but also, but in, instead repeated the lies that she had told the ambulance guys. So to summarize, she treated a patient with a treatment that is contraindicated for a person with that uh, existing condition. She failed to obtain informed consent as well. She posed as a real doctor without informing her patient that she was just a chiropractor. She caused the death of a patient by treatment to the neck. She administered first aid in a way that made everything worse. And then she lied to the ambulance men who consequently failed to transport the person in a way that was appropriate. And then she kept inaccurate patient records that concealed what treatments had been done. And all of this, now, she has admitted. Uh, so, so there's no question about these facts. So, back to the GCC, the General Council of Chiropractors. They have given their verdict. The chiropractor is not guilty of any wrongdoings. Oh, of course not. Oh, wow. <laughs> they concluded, they reasoned, if you can call this reason, uh, that since she didn't mean to do any harm, there was no harmful intent, that her actions were instead done because she panicked. And because of all this, she should not face any consequences. Free to continue to manhandle new victims. And this is what happens. 
when you put the bad guys in charge of disciplining the bad guys, in, in my opinion. This is, this is yeah. a broken system. A broken system for broken necks. Ooh. And uh, as yep. we <laughs> say, I mean, chiropractic is a pseudo-medicine, if it's at all medicine. It is a pseudoscience. It is uh, based on uh, hocus-pocus. There are some treat. I mean... You can give people massages and you can do manipulate people's backs in certain ways, which are, if you're very careful, you can do some good, but you don't have to do use. The chiropractic doesn't add anything to that. You can go to a good masseur or you can go to a, a physiotherapist and they do it uh, the, the better because they're not based in pseudoscience. Yeah. And uh, this is the results. So... Um, for blatantly neglecting the safety of the public in favor of protecting their own, the GCC, the General Council of Chiropractors, gets today's prize for being really awful, I think. Yeah, yeah. well-deserved. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, wrong doesn't really explain where, yeah. where well, they are. <laughs> really assholey. <laughs> yeah. Oof. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of the show. But before we go, I'd like to bring up a quote uh, from none other than Simon Singh, who will be celebrating his birthday on the 19th of September. Ooh, and nice. <laughs> uh, this quote is from Big Bang, The Origin of the Universe, uh, one of his books. And the quote is, All that was required to measure the planet was a man with a stick and a brain. In other words, couple an intellect with some experimental apparatus and almost anything seems achievable. (laughs) Bam. That's a very good optimistic quote to end this pessimistic show. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. We need that. Yeah. yeah. And I'll just, I just want to say that I love the way this man thinks. Mm-hmm. And we've met him a couple of times in person as well. We had had him on the show. And he's such a lovely guy. And, the, and how much he has done for making the world a better place, I, mean, I, think, I think he deserves all the praise yes and he he was the one establishing the good thinking society which is doing the greatest amount of skeptical work and achievements in the uk thanks to their their most prominent employee michael marshall marsh Mm. so yeah yeah that's all done or initiated by simon singh (laughs) so uh well done all right so but that uh really concludes our show and uh i'd like to thank both of you onika and pontus for joining me today thank you (laughs) thanks a lot Thanks a lot to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. Bis dann. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. 
All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Robb and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesb.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. For the transport an airborne rhinoceros, an airborne rhinoceros, rhinoceros upside down. And there are beautiful pictures online uh, of uh, rhinoceros, rhinos, beautiful pictures on, what, what's the noise? <laughs> Who's getting emails? What noise? It's interesting that you can actually vote via letter because, mm. um, can you, Pontus, oh, in yes. your country? Yeah, yeah. Okay. In civilized countries, we, we can. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> no. Carbonic. Carbonara. 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 Okay. Don't send me things that say go bing when I'm talking, Anders. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll just put my thing on mute. Sorry. Oh, hello. Oh, my God. It's a, there's a... <laughs> wrestling match now over at Annika's where Luna is getting hold of the the mic and uh, she's winning I think <laughs> no she's not <laughs>